Thank you for tuning in to the Keeping It Real with KC podcast. A no-judgment zone podcast that covers lifestyle, entertainment, news, and sports. Even though KC doesn't watch sports. But these are minor details. (laughs) By the way, he reads tarot cards too. Yes, I really mean it. He reads tarot cards too. And now, the host you've tuned in for, K.C. Phoenix. All right, here we go. As promised, I told you that I would do a tech news segment because for some reason everyone knows that I do news segments from time to time whether it's wacky news or talking about sports or what have you but I hadn't talked about tech stuff in a while so what I decided to do was go online and look for some stories that I found interesting and I usually don't go to tech websites I I usually go to other sites and then if there's something kind of techy in there, I'll, I might talk about it or, or what have you, but I specifically went to a, a tech site. So now I have three stories that I will read to you and throw in a little bit of, I guess, opinion here and there. Before I go any further, KIRWKC.com, main podcasting platform. This podcast is carried on Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Overcast, Bullhorn. Amazon Music, Audible, and several other podcasting platforms. Please feel free to listen to this podcast on whatever platform is most convenient for you. KIRWKC on all the social media platforms. Let's get to this. For the first story I came across, this is kind of a big deal, but it's not a big deal, if, if that makes sense. It's new AI supercomputer will help create the largest ever 3D map of the universe. Now, when it comes to AI, I give the side eye a little bit. I still feel that people don't know as much as they think they know. And one would think that movies would be (laughs) a... What's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say a... um, I don't want to say a premonition. That's not it. One would think that movies might be an indicator of where this situation could veer off into. Yet and still, we have people who think and believe that they can do more or that they can control things. It's almost like Jurassic Park. I don't know if anybody's seen Jurassic Park because believe it or not, not everyone's seen Jurassic Park or Jurassic World for that matter. Both are both are amazing, by the way, if you haven't seen them. But the thing is, is that with Jurassic Park, the the dinosaurs were brought back and it was all about, oh, well, We know how to handle it. We know how to deal with it. We know how to control the situation. (laughs) There's no way it can get out of hand because we have contingency plans. After contingency plan, after contingency plan. However, you know, if you've seen the movie, (laughs) with AI, I'm sure you've seen plenty of movies about AI. 
in where things go off the rails. So I'm always kind of funny sometimes about that. As a matter of fact, there was a situation, I believe it was with Facebook, where they were working with AI and they had to turn the computers off because the computers were communicating with each other in their own language. They came up with their own language to communicate with each other and then they had to turn them off because they're like, what are they saying? But what if they would not have been able to turn them off? <laughs> so I just think about things like this. Call me crazy. Also, I, I have this thing called intuition. But if people want to play with AI, more power to them. Now, let me get to this article. So it says the newest big name supercomputer might help solve some of astrophysic, uh, astrophysics most important questions, Ventura Beat reports. The National Energy Research Scientific Computer Computing Center, try saying that three times fast. The National Energy Research Scientific Computing Center has officially dedicated Perlmutter, billed as one of the fastest supercomputers for AI, and it will start by helping to build the largest ever 3D map of the visible universe to study the dark energy accelerating the cosmos's expansion. The machine will process data from the dark energy spectroscopic instrument to guide observations. Perlmutter will process dozens of galaxy exposures from a given night's study to dictate where DESI aims next. Okay, we can go with that. Nice little acronym. As AMD notes, the initial version of Perlmutter includes 1,536 nodes that each have a 64-core EPIC 7763 processor and four NVIDIA A100 GPUs. The result is a system with almost four exaflops of performance plus 35 petabytes of storage. Okay. When handling AI tasks and dramatically reducing calculation times, Perlmutter could process a year's worth of DESI info in a few days instead of weeks or months, NVIDIA claimed. A second phase due later in 2021 will add 3,072 CPU-only nodes that each have dual EPIC 7763 chips. The map isn't the only project on the deck. Perlmutter will also study atomic interactions to foster clean energy tech like biofuels, for example. The universe map is ambitious, though, and helps illustrate just how far supercomputers have come in tackling truly large-scale work. This is one of these things where it's like, yeah, um, <laughs> one of the comments in the comment section says, will it take over the world in, in spare time? <laughs> so, yeah, so a supercomputer will help create the largest ever 3D map. I just thought that was interesting. And this whole dark energy thing, I don't know what in the Avengers is going on. But, yeah, 
that's I think I'm going to do some more research on that too. Dark energy. Now, this one really, really, this article really was interesting. Researchers boost robotic arm movement by adding a sense of touch. The upgrade allowed a paralyzed participant to move objects in half the usual time. Nathan Copeland knows a thing or two about brain implants. More than a decade after a car crash left him paralyzed from the chest down, Copeland enrolled in a medical trial that helped him to regain his sense of touch. The breakthrough saw scientists implant chips in his brain that allowed him to control a robotic hand. Back in 2016, Copeland flexed his new appendage by fist bumping then President Barack Obama. Now, in his mid-30s, he's become the focal point of another scientific breakthrough. Thanks to a new brain interface experiment, Copeland was able to feel the sensation of touch when his robotic hand came into contact with a surface or object. The tactile feedback allowed him to grip and move blocks and cups in half the usual time compared to tests without sensory signals from a median of 20 to 10 seconds. Copeland was already a pro at operating his robotic arm. To make him even faster, the research team at the University of Pittsburgh placed sensors on the robotic fingertips, including torque sensors at the base of the digits, reports Wired. The four microelectrode arrays implanted in his brain, meanwhile, read his movement commands and stimulated his sensory system. So when Copeland grazed or gripped an object like a ball, electric signals from the torque sensor on the robotic hand would carry to the brain implant, which then stimulated the electrode linked to his corresponding finger. According to Copeland, his participation in past experiments and years spent controlling the robotic arm meant the new process didn't feel alien. I was already extremely familiar with both the sensations generated by stimulation and performing the task without stimulation. Even though the sensation isn't natural, it feels like pressure and gentle tingle that never bothered me. He said, there wasn't really any point where I felt like stimulation was something I had to get used to. Doing the task while receiving the stimulation just went together like peanut butter and jelly, he added. The University of Pittsburgh research team aren't the only ones exploring brain-machine interfaces. For evidence, just take the chips implanted inside Copeland's head. They were provided by BlackRock's Neurotech, a rival to Elon Musk's Neuralink, or Neuralink, that sells its hardware and software to the neuroscience industry. The latest experiment also had the backing of the Pentagon's Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA. In addition, Charlene Fisher, or Charlene Fisher, one of the researchers involved in the study, is a hardware engineer at Apple. Though the tech is in an early proof of concept stage, 
Researchers are hailing the latest breakthrough as a step forward for brain chip interfaces. We still have a long way to go in terms of making the sensations more realistic and bringing this technology to people's homes. But the closer we get to recreating the normal inputs of the brain, the better off we will be, said co-senior author Robert Gaunt, associate professor in the Pitt Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. This is amazing. These are the things I like to read about. These are, these are the things I like to see. I, I'm really, really into tech evolving in a good way. In a good way. You have those who sometimes have nefarious goals. But when it's things like this, I can always support things like this. For people who don't have their limbs, that's a big deal. And anything that we can do to help, whether it's through technology or other ways, I honestly believe, I don't know why, and, and this is my intuition and, and other things that are, th that are difficult to explain to people that I just know, but there is a way to, I don't, I want to articulate this in a way without sounding mean. However, the only way I feel I can articulate this is being very direct with it. There is a way to replace parts and limbs without settling for robot, artificial replacements. There's a way to do it. And, and like I said, this is my intuition speaking. This is other things speaking inside of me. It's just one of these things I just know. There's another way to do it. Where you can give somebody a flesh and bone, all of their nerves, arm, back, Versus attaching a robot arm to them. But that's another story for another day. Let me go to this next article. All right. Researchers combine gene therapy and event cameras to partially restore a blind man's sight. They only had to inject him in his eyeball once. Imagine, if you will, slowly going blind over the course of 40 years, waking up every morning with just a tiny bit more of your peripheral vision grayed out, your world disappearing behind a shrinking keyhole of vision, eventually fading to the impenetrable depths of full blindness as the defective photoreceptor cells in your eyes fail. Such was the presumed fate of the 58-year-old who had suffered Retinous pigmentosa for the past four decades. He elected to participate in a recent study performed by researchers from the University of Basel, University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. Here's the Pittsburgh Medical, Pittsburgh Medical seems to be doing it. Um, and startup Gensite Biologics. Rather than sinking further into the inky blackness of non-sight, this patient has actually unexpectedly had a portion of his visual perception restored 
thanks to a cutting-edge hybrid biological technology therapy known as optogenetics. I think that a new field is being born. University of Basel professor and researcher Botan Raska told reporters during a recent conference call announcing the team's results. Optogenetics, as the name implies, melds optics and genetics, enabling researchers to control individual in vitro neurons using visible light. Light sensing molecules are first introduced to brain cells and are then activated via pulses of light from fiber optic threads. The molecule converts light into an, elect, uh, an electrical impulse, which causes the neuron is attached to to fire as well, allowing researchers to activate specific neurons on demand and potentially influencing the subject's behaviors and responses. This neuromodulation methodology has been used in neurology for decades to study the functions of the central nervous system at the millimeter time scale, a huge step up from the days and months it used to take to get observable results with traditional genetic techniques. In recent years, optogenetics has been I keep on wanting to say optogenics, but it's optogenetics. <laughs> optogenetics has been repurposed as a therapeutic technique to help treat and potentially reverse hereditary blindness diseases like RP, which afflicts one in 4,000 people born in the U.S. every year. The University of Basel, UPMC, took the basic theories behind optogenetics and applied them to the retina as part of their Pioneer One, it says one and a half A study using tech developed by Gensite Biologics. It's a two prong approach using biological and technological components. On the bio side, researchers first targeted the patient's retinal ganglion cells to receive a genetic therapy that would make them photoactivatable. Normally, ganglion cells are not photosensitive. That's the job of the rods and cones. And they simply carry the electrical charge generated by the photoreceptive cells down to the optic nerve. But since RP had already damaged and destroyed the person's rods and cones, these ganglions would have to be modified to pull double duty. To do that, the research team inserted a gene isolated from a light-sensing species of green algae. Okay, that's different. <laughs> Into one of the patient's eyes. The gene encodes for the photoactivatable. Okay, let me pause for a second. I have the, uh, I have the first part of the word. I just want to see if... Channel rhodopsin. Yeah, okay. Pro photoactivatable channel rhodopsin called crimson R and was targeted at the ganglion cells or ganglion cells using a modified adenovirus vector. Okay, I had to take another look at something else. These proteins are very special. Dr. Jose Elaine Sahal. Distinguished Professor and Chairman of the Department of Ophthalmology 
at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine, co-founder of Gensite Biologics and co-lead investigator for the Pioneer Study, told um, Engadget. I always, I don't know why I want to say indigent, but whatever. They were discovered in the late 1990s and early 2000. These proteins exist in algae, capturing light and triggering an electrical response that enables the algae to move towards or retract from light. And it's a single protein, so it's a very fast response. It took a few months for the ganglions to produce a sufficient amount of crimson R and for it to stabilize within the cells. Once that happened, the ganglion cells were able to both detect light and carry the subsequent electrical charge down to the optic nerve, bypassing the usual rod or the useless rods and cones entirely. Here's where the tech side comes in. Crimson R is most responsive to light in the 590 nm wavelength, amber. And that light needs to be bright in order to activate the protein, far brighter than ambient lighting can generally produce. It doesn't respond to low levels of light. It doesn't adapt to different levels of light in the normal retina. So Gensight has developed a proprietary set of goggles that collect image data from an incorporated event camera and beam high-intensity 590 nm wave light directly into the patient's eyes. We've developed a bio-inspired camera that functions at every single pixel by detecting any change in light sensitivity. So how I explain, these cameras can detect very low levels of changes, can function at low levels applied and high levels of light. We are, fun we are functioning pixel by pixel and we are processing the image in real time. The patient began training on the headset five months after receiving the injection. The first step is to train the patient to adapt the goggles to the retina to make sure that the beam is well aligned, he continued, and to train the patient to understand what he is seeing, if he's seeing anything. Seven months after that began, hold on, seven months after that began to see noticeable improvements to his visual perception. Using his goggles, the patient correctly located and touched a large notebook and smaller pencil case placed on the table in front of him 92% and 36% of the time, respectively. He also counted the number of tumblers placed on the table with 63% accuracy without the aid of his goggles. The patient successfully completed these tasks 0% of the time. Hmm. What's more, that's the patient successfully completed these tasks 0% of the time. What's more, EEG readings taken during the trials showed increased activity in the patient's visual cortex, suggesting that his brain was actually seeing what he was looking at. The patient even reported being able to discern white stripes of a crosswalk when testing the head headset outside the lab. Wow. The current Pioneer study is a very preliminary start to the therapy's development. At this point, the researchers are mostly looking for basic safety metrics and dialing in the optimal biological dosages. 
a handful of other patients have received their vector injections, but due to the current pandemic, um, they had to stop. Sahel hopes to rectify that in the near future while GeneSight works to iterate improvements to the headsets themselves. The event camera used in the current goggles is hindered by its low resolution. So we're working on higher resolution goggles, Sahil said. As well as looking into incorporating an eye tracking system so that uh, the alignment of the eye is better. This is very interesting. And the thing that's going through my head right now is Ghost in the Shell. I don't know if you've seen it. It's an anime. Also, it's a movie. But it's, it's, a, um, it's a movie and a series. But Ghost in the Shell is... The things that they're talking about is sort of very Ghost in the Shell-ish. <laughs> so if you've never seen Ghost in the Shell, check that out sometime. It's a really good movie and a very good anime series, which I, I own both. So, yeah, but that is your tech news. I wanted to give you guys something more techy because I... I just wanted to mix it up a little bit and I was curious what are some of the things that are going on and I myself learned a few new things too. So that's all I have. KIRWKC.com, main podcasting platform. KIRWKC on all the social media platforms. Until next time, be blessed.